there, I'm Kathy Cooper. This is Loss and Found, where every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. And that's what the show is all about, normalizing your loss and perhaps broadening your view of what loss is, and then helping you find something in your process of the loss. I, I really seek to accomplish this through a variety of guests and my own professional purview, and it's really all done within the framework of having some laughter each week. I really believe uh, that humor is so vital in walking the path of grief, and we don't want to have a doom and gloom hour. We want to have an encouraging hour. I want to really thank you for joining me today. If you have just discovered Lost and Found, welcome. I appreciate each of you spreading the word about the show. And really remember, no matter where your friends or family live, uh, we we can be streamed through 1150kknw.com. And there's a podcast now, so you can download the podcast, which, by the way, I, I'm um, hearing that I've got some, some good numbers for downloads. So thank you all for that. I'm very very grateful that um, what you what I do here each week is considered valuable to you all. So thanks for listening on the radio each week, and thank you for downloading the podcast as you do. Um, I encourage you to to reach out to me with questions or comments about the show. You know, please email me at, at lossandfoundseattle at gmail.com, lossandfoundseattle at gmail.com. Um, I have a a listener uh, that after every show, she will send me a note about what resonated with her or something that she learned, some sort of takeaway, something. Uh, Vicki is her name, and I can't tell you how good that feels uh, that she takes the time to do that and how much it encourages me. So thank you, Vicki, for always taking the time to do this. It's a uh, it's very meaningful to me, and I, I don't take it for granted. And I really would love to hear from more of you. Uh, again, you can email lossandfoundseattle at gmail.com. So anytime you have any questions or comments, feel free to do so. Uh, email them to me. I will answer them on the next show. And uh, I, I would like, you know, let's just have this be a partnership. All right. So as I said last week, I have acquired some sponsors. And it's really important for me to... Um, have you get to know them a bit, if you will. Um, so before I get into today's topic uh, for the show, which is fear and grief, I want to take um, a few moments and some a few minutes here at the beginning of the show, and I want to talk with care partners. Now, I know I have listeners in other states, and so I just want to say this. You're outside of the Seattle area. Care Partners is in the Seattle uh, area. But you know, I, I really think you'll be able to learn some things about their community that perhaps there'll be other communities in your area that you uh, may be interested in. I think through listening through the conversation, you may um, have some knowledge that you will be able to use to uh, ask information and um, some questions of communities as you if you have the need to search for the type that we'll be talking about today. So uh, I really feel it's still going to be a, a valuable conversation for everyone because knowledge is so important and the ladies here are going to be sharing some knowledge with us. I have in studio Colette Roberge and Jill Martinez. They are the Community Relations Directors with Care Partners. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you for, for being here. Um, let's just kind of start you know, a lot of folks might not have heard of Care Partners. Um, one of you <laughs> want to step up and just let us, let us know a little bit about what Care Partners is. So Care Partners was started, um, I guess, a little bit of history. 
in the 90s, our CEO, Joe Kilkelly, started a company with the idea that he wanted to help middle income uh, or the average uh, senior citizen um, who was looking for assistance and maybe getting ready to move out of their home that they'd lived in for so long. Um, that was kind of his goal. Um, and so he started a business in, in the 90s that offered a Medicaid spend down for those seniors or for those families. In 2010, he merged with Bill Moore um, with Round Lake Properties. Mm-hmm. They've been together. Their idea was to expand the care options for kind of that middle income senior. Which is so very needed. Mm -hmm. So very needed. Absolutely. Um, So now Bill handles all of the new construction today, all of the acquisitions. And Joe runs the day-to-day operations for care partners. Um, We are growing like crazy. Yeah, yeah, you are. We are. (laughs) Um, And so that's kind of the... um, the history of Care Partners. We have a very small corporate team. Um, we like to keep it that way. We like mm-hmm. to stay locally owned and operated and not have that huge corporate structure. What's your, uh, what's your population that you serve and what kind of communities do you have? Um, individuals do need to be 65 years old or older. Okay. And the types of communities we have, we have independent living, we have assisted living, and then we also offer memory care in our communities that are called the cottages. Mm-hmm. So we do have a total of 13 communities. The ones that are that, that are titled cottages are strictly memory care. And the others then would be both independent and assisted living. And with the total of 13 properties that we have, they go as far north as Marysville and as far south as Lacey. Oh, okay. Washington. Okay. So yeah. so we have expanded a little bit further south. And we actually acquired a property in Spokane as well. So some of the communities that um, we have, we are able to work with a shorter spin down to Medicaid. We do have a few communities that will take direct Medicaid. And then we have other communities where we do require um a certain years of private mm-hmm. pay funds before converting. But what's nice about it is we do have lots of options for people depending on their financial situation. And I think that is something that is so valuable is the whole Medicaid thing. And if folks run out of money, not, you know, okay, now where am I going to live? Because sometimes you can be in a situation where if you run out of money, you then have to sort of kind of look for another place. And I think it's fabulous that you have that. And I know, you know, a lot of folks understanding like when they're hearing you say Medicaid spend down and having to have, is there a way you can succinctly let folks know what, what that means in particular in just a, a couple minutes or less? Yeah. So, so for instance, our, our community in Everett were able to take somebody who was already on Medicaid mm-hmm. direct there. They've already been accepted. They've applied. But for our communities that require a spend down, we might say in in one cottage we're going to require two years of private pay funds, okay. which means an individual needs to have two years of private assets mm-hmm. before they can convert to Medicaid. But they're also going to have to qualify for Medicaid. Yes. So even if they get to two years, it doesn't mean oh I can apply. automatically do it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so but but as far as care partners is concerned, then they are free to apply for Medicaid and continue to stay in that community, not have to leave um, as long as they uh, qualify for mm-hmm. Medicaid. Which is really unique. A lot of, do other, mm-hmm. What other communities do that? 
there are a few other communities that have a Medicaid contract. I guess um, our niche is really we have what we've been told is the largest floating Medicaid contract in the state of Washington. So essentially um, all of our apartments are licensed to accept Medicaid funds at some point. Um, So you don't have to move. We don't. If you, okay, that's nice. Yes. So most communities that offer a spend down to Medicaid have a set number of apartments set aside for Mm -hmm. that. So when somebody has met their two or three year spend down and they're ready to convert one of those apartments has to be open and available in order oh. for them to move into. And, and with that. you all, it's not like that. Exactly. Correct. Exactly. We float licensed. our license up to meet that need. Yes. Oh, that that's exciting yeah. to me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and folks listening, that's a that's a really good resource because a lot of folks, you know, you don't have unlimited funds a lot of times, especially if you're in the middle middle class Absolutely. Um, income. And so I think this um, and memory care, obviously, you, you have how many memory care units do you have? Oh, gosh. Gosh. As far as a uh, number of memory care communities, gosh, you probably have about eight, I would okay. say. And we are expanding. Yeah. Um, we do have one community in the north end that has assisted living, independent, and memory care. But most of them, as we're building the cottages, they're strictly memory care. Mm-hmm. And what makes them unique is is they're all on ground floor but they have a really beautiful center courtyard. So it's mm. a total of, of four separate houses that might um, allow 10 to, to 20 residents per yeah. house. So um, it, it's a little bit of a smaller setting, but they have this nice courtyard. So if people have this need to, to walk and go outside, mm-hmm. they can go visit people in other cottages. They can do that safely, be out, not have to yes. just be in the room yeah. or so be inside. It, it's this nice home-like feel that is a secure environment, but it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. closed in. So. Yeah, very nice, very nice. So somebody that is interested in care partners, just needing even independent living, um, you know, I know memory care is is what so many people are, are looking for nowadays, but independent living, um, they just have to make a, a phone call to, to, they can go to, what what's a website, care partners? Um, so care partners living.com or they can reach out to Colette or myself Jill at carepartnersliving.com or oh. Colette at carepartnersliving.com oh that's really simple oh that's really yeah. simple yep. yeah and then we can guide them to whichever community might be the best fit for them so one cottage um, might be a, a better price point for somebody than another or, or a, a shorter spin down to Medicaid that somebody might need. So if they call us directly, then we're able to guide them mm-hmm. in the right direction. And then we actually see them through the move-in process. So um, we can oh, answer any nice. questions. We're going to take them through the building. We can take them through multiple buildings, um, give them any suggestions in terms of how to get the move-in process started. And every person that's looking to move in is a little different. Mm-hmm. Some people it might take four times coming to the building to, to decide this is the right fit. And then then we take them through the next step of, of actually getting them moved in and the paperwork and then following them to make sure they get settled in. And I think that that's what, okay, when you said that, I just went like, okay, you know, for families to know that whoever is moving in, parents, whoever, whether it's memory care, independent or whatever, you're going to still be there with them making sure everybody gets settled, making sure it's a good fit, making sure if there's any hiccups, 
Correct. So you're a point of contact Correct. for them. And it is important because it's a very difficult decision for people to make yeah. when they're making that move, you know, whether it's from their house of 64 years or mm-hmm. um, so. So they really do need that support. And mm-hmm. so I think that's how we we try to to accommodate, you know, their needs, which is really nice because you so often. OK, now I'm just here to help get you in the building. Now we've got to have other people in it. And there's so many people involved um, with with folks when they're trying to make these decisions. I think it's a real positive thing that, you know, they have a, a center point of contact. Absolutely. And it definitely takes a team. So there is there is a team that's going to embrace yeah. them and help them, you know, acclimate on, on the other side of that as well. Mm-hmm. But we are always available to assist if we need to after Good. moving. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, what about um, when it comes to, so you already kind of have some beds for, for Medicaid, but I guess what what is... Um, what do you feel like some of the, the best offerings that you have for folks? Like, why do people want to come to Care Partners? When And I, I know we have, a, just to let everybody know, we do have a uh, an employee on the line that I want to bring in here in a, in a few moments to just kind of give, a, give you all um, that are listening kind of what it's like as an employee, why they believe in where they're working. Um, and we do have a family letter that is really cool, kind of cool that, you know, when people believe in where – their loved one is and they want to share share that I think that's a really powerful thing and I think that speaks really well for care partners but um and I just lost what my thought was because then I rambled on right there so did I ask a question you did okay and, and actually I have an answer for you so okay. you asked what kind of what some of the offerings that we have or something that would be unique and one thing I, I will point out that's been very very successful for us is in our vineyard park model Um, Because our Vineyard Park buildings, we have independent living, assisted living, and on-site memory care. So we have something called the Bonded Pairs Program. And that is geared for a couple where one has a cognitive diagnosis and eventually will probably need to be in memory care full-time. But the goal of the Bonded Pairs Program is to keep them together in an assisted mm-hmm. living apartment for as long as we possibly can. I love that. And we can utilize memory care as kind of a respite type of a situation while we're walking through those care needs as they progress. And that has been a very, very popular and successful program for the Vineyard Park um, buildings that we have. Um, so that is something that we are going to continue to focus on because we're finding that the need is greater and greater. Yes. So does that have to be... Um, spouses, it can be best friends, it, it can be yep. same sex partners, any, any anybody mm-hmm. that that they see. This is my person, absolutely. whoever my person is. Yep. Absolutely, yep. that mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that. I absolutely love that. Folks listening out there, when you are visiting communities, that's a great question to ask. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, what happens if my person starts to to fail more before I do? Then what exactly. do we do? That's exactly. a really mm-hmm. great thing because we all know being able to be with your loved one. You know, and not having that separation is such a powerful force in your life. Absolutely. And the other thing I'll add as far as our our cottage concept, because our communities are relatively small, there's a lot of um, eyes on, hands on Mm -hmm. um, involvement. That's always a question, folks. Yeah, yeah. Speak more. With residents and staff. So um, there are some people that might be a higher fall risk than others. So in the cottages... While it's memory care, it, it still sort of is like an adult family home concept and that it is smaller. And so people um, 
are observed and watched mm-hmm. much closer than in a larger memory care community. So for some people, having a smaller environment in memory care um, is nice. Again, it's very home-like. So, so that is something that's attractive to some people who are needing memory care is, is the size of the cottages. Yeah, very much so. And I know when I've worked with families, that's, you know, if they go into a place that's really large, I know talking with them, their first thought is, my loved one's going to get lost here. You know, who's going to be watching after them? So the size and staff ratio is is really important. Absolutely. And I I think Jill and I have both worked with families where they did make a move into a larger environment, thinking that was going to be the better option for Mm -hmm. their loved one, and then found out that that they didn't even ever leave their room. So the rest of the building was completely lost on that resident. Mm-hmm. Um, so the smaller environment really was more conducive to their needs because they were able to, you know, maybe socialize as much as they possibly can yeah. um, with the other residents in the smaller environment and not feel like they're in this big building and maybe feel a little lost about where, how they would even find mm-hmm. their way to, you know, certain areas. But anyway, yeah. Even independent living, all of that, just having a, a smaller community, you know, you would think there would be some more camaraderie. Everybody kind of gets to know each other, and it just kind of feels like a neighborhood. Right. Yeah. It cool. does. And the other the other part of it, um, not just from an employee perspective, but a family perspective, is Care Partners is still relatively small as a company mm-hmm. compared to a lot of um, senior organizations out there. So it's really refreshing as an employee because we can just make one phone call get an answer Uh, right away and whether it's you know a concern of a family member whatever it might be um, a spin down to medicaid we can get that answer right away and so that's really nice that we don't have to deal um, with a large corporation Mm -hmm. and call it to the midwest when you're out here for answers on something yeah definitely definitely sarah are you are you there with us to kind of share with the audience what it is that uh that you found that you really enjoy and why you work at Care Partners? I sure am. I, I've been at Care Partners, um, it'll be two years in January, and it's been a really great experience. Um, I'm the memory care coordinator at Vineyard Park in Mount Lake Terrace, and we have about 20, 29 residents in memory care. And I think one of the main things that I love about it is, you know, and I know they talked briefly about the Bonded Pairs program, you know, being able to you know, I've got a couple husbands that live downstairs in independent living or assisted living, and they get to come up and have meals with their wife every day. Mm. And that is just a beautiful thing to mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. But they're always available, you know, and they're under one roof. It may be, you know, in a different apartment or a different part of the building, but they're always there. And it's, it's a really great, great part of it. Um, I think one of the other things that I really love is the flexibility that we have. You know, a lot of our memory care residents in particular, you know, maybe mobility is also part of an issue. So I have a primary care physician that a lot of my residents see, and he comes to the building and sees them once a month. Regardless if there's, you know, anything going on with them or not, they come out, they see, they've got eyes on them, you know, and there's Mm -hmm. lots of communication back and forth. Um, Some of the other specialties that we are able to bring in, we have a dermatologist that comes in monthly. We have um, a mental health professional that comes in monthly as well. Nice. Uh, we have a hearing specialist. And we just recently got a dental hygienist 
to come in and start seeing our residents, which is fabulous for memory care and for all the residents. So all those specialty uh, providers are able to come in and see the other residents as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a really really great, flexible thing that we have that we're able to offer. Yeah, and and that's a lot of the times, which we all know, you know, getting your family members out to appointments can can be quite difficult and uh, definitely having um, them come in. And I just have to say, people listening, if you're not involved in the senior living community, two years is really a long time to be in a position. I, I, I mean, for you, Sarah, to stay in, in a position for two years that, that you're in, um, a lot of times it can sometimes some communities have revolving doors. And so the fact that you've been there and that you're positive and that you enjoy it and you see the, you know, you see the good work that you're doing. Kudos for you, mm-hmm. because that really people that that is a huge that is a huge. Um, that's always a question to ask. Uh, I would just encourage families when they're visiting communities, you know, what kind of uh, how long do your, your staff stay? Because that's really important that you are there and the continuity is there and then bringing in all of those the doctors and everything that you're bringing in is is really helpful to families. And, it, you know, it gives that um, folks like to, to see the same faces. And so that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. They do. And, you know, not only are our residents, you know, our residents, but we get to know the families, you know, you know, it, we're the first ones to notice if something's off with that resident. We contact the family. The families are really involved. And yeah, I think the, the transparency that we have is wonderful. You know, they, I like the that families word. know what it is. It's a wonderful word, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, it's, everybody knows what to expect. There's no hidden agenda. Everything's right out front. You know, we can brainstorm with the families about, you know, what the next, what our next move should be with that resident, with their family member, what they want us to do, what they're comfortable with, and all that. So everybody's on the same playing field. Everybody knows up front what is going on and what to expect. Wonderful. That's great. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for for sharing that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that we have we have a letter that um, that a family member wrote. And if um, Jill, Jill is going to to read that so we can kind of get that sense from that side, too. And this actually letter was written by a family member of a resident. It was a very difficult decision for them to to make with this. And it has ended up being a very positive situation for them so Mm. um, Mm -hmm. so so, you're saying they were having a hard time making a decision to choose care yes okay yes okay they they looked at multiple communities but also when was the right time to to place their mother in memory okay yeah so um so i'll read it yeah my mother was diagnosed diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia and primary progressive aphasia in april 2018 We noticed some peculiarities in our mother's behavior and speech for several months, but attributed these changes to her eccentric personality and aging. Although her diagnosis was not favorable, it was a relief to know what we were dealing with. She continued to live independently for another eight months after her diagnosis, but but not without daily assistance from my sister and myself. As her disease progressed, we struggled with putting her in environment where there would at least be some minimal care and supervision. Was she ready for that? Would she even go if we made that change? I doubt the decision is easy for anyone. Guilt and fear about making the right Mm. decision was a constant companion 
accompanied with the gradual acceptance of losing our mother as we knew her and her and learning to accept the person she's become. The eventuality of her inability to care for herself and our inability to maintain her care on her own led us to the decision to move her to a memory care facility in January 2019. We spent months looking for the right fit. Initially, we considered adult family homes and assisted living facilities, but she was and still is a constant flight risk, and we knew her new home needed to be somewhere we knew she would be safe and cared for at times, at all times. We visited several memory care communities, but the cottages in Mill Creek stood out. When we had our initial meeting with the director, nurse, and Jill Martinez, they instantly put us at ease. They were sympathetic to our flight, down to earth, excuse me, sympathetic to our plight, down to earth, and listened to what we had to say. It felt more like a home than any of the others that we looked at. In addition, the residents had the ability to go outside within a secure environment, which was important to us since our mother is very mobile and active. Once we made the decision to move her, the next concern was for her transition to living in this new space. The staff recommended that we bring her for a visit a few times before her initial move in order to orient and familiarize her with her surroundings. The first visit was tense and stressful, but each visit her anxiety started to lessen. The day of the move was better than expected, They suggested we not linger and give her time to assimilate to her new surroundings. Initially, we thought we wouldn't be able to see her for a couple weeks while she became accustomed to her new home. But in less than a week, they informed us that she was doing great and we are welcome to visit. Mm. It's getting close to a year that she's been in memory care. It isn't easy watching our mom slip away, but the comfort we have knowing she's in the right place with the right people gives us some peace. There you go. And that's what Care Partners is all about, right? That peace that you can give the families. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for being here. CarePartnersLiving.com. Yep. Yep. Jill at CarePartnersLiving.com. Colette at CarePartnersLiving.com. Easy. People reach out, and I'm sure they would just even be happy to answer any questions, but please um, give a call and reach out, and I hope that uh, the discussion has just been helpful to everybody listening to kind of give an idea about what uh, what senior living is and um, how to uh, access it and things. So thank you, ladies, for being here. Um, I appreciate your, your coming on. And uh, I'm Kathy Cooper. This is Lost and Found. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we will dive right into fear and grief. Be right back. When there is a decline in mental or physical health, what do we do when we must find the best options for our loved ones for their aging-in-place needs? Who can we turn to when the death of someone close to us leaves us with complex decisions about their property? Real Estate 55 Plus provides expert help with living option details and a wide range of resources, including specialized estate and probate sales of properties that most real estate agents are not experienced in handling. Real Estate 55 Plus are here to help you, freeing you up for the most important thing between you and those close to you, your love. Contact Real Estate 55 Plus today at 1-800-964-1553. That's 1-800-964-1553. 
What's your story? Have you ever sat with that question and looked to your heart for the answer? It's time to explore the real you. Tune in Thursdays from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. for the brand new show, Story You, with Coach Debbie. Debbie and her guests have a mission to inspire and coach you to find your voice. If you need direction, Story You with Coach Debbie is for you. If you want to be an author, Story You with Coach Debbie is for you. Tune in Thursdays at 4 p.m. and be inspired. We all value our independence. This is why we want the best care and living situation for our loved ones. Talk to Kelly of Care Partners Living. Discover their unmitigated specialized memory care, Medicaid spend downs that no one else offers, and the best affordable housing that works with you to care for your loved one, preserving their dignity and fullest possible independence. Care Partners Living, valuing independence and care for all. Contact Kelly today at 425-931-2951 or visit carepartnersliving.com. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. I'm Kathy Cooper. This is Loss and Found, where every loss matters. And through every loss, something can be found. As I said before the break, we're going to be looking at fear and the role that it can play in our grief. And I absolutely love that song. That is called um, You Don't No, What is it called? The Breakup Song. It is called The Breakup Song. And it's by um, Francesca Battistelli. And the lyrics are just wonderful. Sick and tired of being sick and tired. Had as much of you as I can take. I'm so done. So over being afraid. Um, I love that. Fear you don't own me. There ain't no room in this story. And I ain't got time for you telling me what I'm not. Like you know me. Well, guess what? I know who I am. I know I'm strong and I am free. Got my own identity. So fear you will never be welcome here. Take a Download that song. I I play that often in my life because I have to remind myself that I I don't have to live in fear. And when um, when we're grieving, fear is a really big part of what our grief is. Um, the definition of fear by the Cambridge Dictionary is a strong emotion caused by great worry about something dangerous, painful, or unknown that is happening or might happen. It's a strong emotion caused by great worry about something dangerous, painful, or unknown that is happening or might happen. C.S. Lewis said in his book, Grief Observed, which he wrote after um, the death of his wife, he said, no one ever told me grief felt so much like fear. Grief and fear. Let me ask you this. How large of a role does fear play in your life in general when you're not grieving? And that's a really important question to ask yourself. Because in general, fear can be really helpful to us. It, it gets us moving when we're in danger, right? You know, imagine walking down a, a darkened street. If someone's coming toward you, you look around, you realize that no one's around, you're alone. So, you know, the person coming towards you, you don't know who they are. What do you begin to fear? Um, feel. You begin to feel fear. And your heart starts to pound. You can feel the blood rushing through your veins. Your body's starting to to go through that fight or flight process. So if you need to run, you've got the extra push of energy. Fear is really good in that instance. You know, however, our brain doesn't know the difference between fear because I'm going to be hurt and fear because I'm worried about something unknown. It doesn't know the difference between I'm physically being threatened versus I'm emotionally feeling threatened. 
Thus, what happens? Our bodies will often exhibit the same fight or flight symptoms. You know, increased heart rate, our entire body becomes tense. Um, all of the hormones, the adrenaline is being released. We're, we're just waiting for that sign to run. And because we're feeling emotionally threatened by something real or unknown, we become anxious. How often do you feel like this? How often do you feel anxious? How often do you not do something because you've allowed fear to talk you out of it? My point is, it's hard enough to face and defeat our fear when life is moving along without a loss experience. It's another thing to set aside fear when the loss has occurred. Because when all you see ahead of you are unknowns. When we're grieving, this really is is what we're feeling. We're anxious about the unknown. Everything feels like an unknown. Why is that? Because everything that you ever knew changed in the second of that loss. Everything that you depended upon changed in the second of that loss. When we're grieving, what we think we know, we now doubt. Where once maybe you were a decisive person, now you can't seem to make a decision because you're afraid, what if it's the wrong decision? And if you're a person who isn't so decisive to begin with, namely myself, now you're just paralyzed within your fear. We're anxious about the unknown. Everything feels like an unknown. Suddenly emotions become fearful because they're so intense. So you become afraid to sit with them. You're afraid to let them in. You feel anxious knowing that the feelings are even there. You fear that they're going to take over the moment, and then what? You stand in fear that you're not going to be able to handle them. It seems that before the loss, you know, you could always count on someone, you know, Always count on that something to help you or guide you or lead you or even make a decision for you. Now, if the person is gone, whether through a death, you know, a divorce, a breakup, or perhaps you're just experiencing a situation that has shattered any confidence you have ever had. So you sit with the remains of your loss. You know, you're grieving and afraid. And when we're grieving and afraid, fear happily steps in, takes our hand, and takes on the role of being the narrator of how these unknowns will turn out. Fear loves to tell us what our future will look like. Have you ever thought about that? How often have you defined your future based upon what you fear? I really encourage you to look around. Look around your life. What are the unknowns in your life since your loss? What are the decisions that you need to make or the responsibilities you now have that you have to take on that you're either avoiding or even making 
them um, that you're feeling so at that, that making a decision you're feeling so adequate because inadequate, I'm sorry, that your fear is telling you what you're wanting to do must be wrong. Let me kind of say that again because I felt like I stumbled over it. What are you avoiding? Because your feelings are telling you and fear is telling you you're going to do something wrong if you do it. It These kind of situations really occur, especially if you're going through um, a death of a partner or a divorce. You know, um, you have always had a partner to help make decisions. You know, that person's not around. Now you've got to make decisions. I remember working with, with a woman, you know, her home needed to, to have some repairs done on it. Her mind just started going, where do I begin to find someone to do them? What if they take advantage of me? They probably will. I remember my friend, she was a female. She had um, a contractor come in. They didn't finish the job and they just took her money. That'll happen to me. Or perhaps whoa, now I have to pay all the bills. I've never done that. What if I miss something? What if I miss the bill? What if I miss the power bill? What if the power is shut off? Then what will we do? What will the kids think? They think I can't take care of them. And on the mind goes. Perhaps now you're single parenting and you're thinking, how do I know I'm being a good parent? How do I be both parents? What if I say, yes, you can go with your friends and something happens. What if there's a car accident and my child's injured? And if I would have just said no, it never would have happened. And on your mind goes. Look around you. Take the situation and see where your mind goes with it. What are the unknowns that fear is giving you answers to? Maybe you've lost a job. You might be thinking, how can I trust the next job is for me? I'll probably make a mistake and I'll be fired or... You know, they probably think I'm too old for the job anyway, so I won't even receive an offer. I'll even be lucky if I can get an interview. And on I could go. Is it not true that our minds play out the worst case scenarios? What are your unknowns? I encourage you to name them. Because if you don't, fear is going to continue to reign. Fear and anxiety will just keep telling you what the future is going to be like. The holes that are left in your life from your loss, fear is going to tell you, you will never, ever fill it in again. You will never feel whole again. You will never feel happy again. Fear is going to tell you, maybe you'll never feel again for someone the way that you felt for a person that's no longer in your life. Maybe you'll never experience a relationship like you did with the person that is gone. Fear is going to tell you nothing will ever be the same again, so why try? Fear and anxiety will just keep telling you what the future is going to be like. And you, if you listen to it, will remain or become incapacitated by them. You have to name 
your unknowns. Step outside of that fear, and you have to look at what is real. What is? Look at what the outcome can be that is positive, not just the negative. Our mindset so often goes to the negative, right? And that's why originally when I was asking um, the question at the beginning, what is it about fear? How, has, how does fear play in your life outside of grieving? Because if you have a mindset that you can't do something, then when you're in your grief, that mindset will be even more profound. Why do our fears become so visible when we're grieving? Why do the unknown seem so much bigger when we're grieving? You know, there's rarely a time when we're not more vulnerable in our life than in our grief. And because of that vulnerability, that rawness, everything seems bigger than it is. Everything hurts more. Everything takes more energy, right? Everything around us feels out of sync. Everything within us feels out of sync. And fear loves that. Fear is at its strongest when we are at our most vulnerable, right? And I, I was really thinking a lot about this. And I think it's because that's when the true beliefs that we hold about ourselves really come out. That's when that real me steps forward. Grief can be such a mirror of who we are inside, and sometimes it shows us just how much fear lives within us. It can show us just how much faith we don't have in ourselves. You know, our world is turned upside down and rocked when a loss occurs, and so to have that inner peace is very difficult. To have that faith in yourself can be very difficult, especially if it's difficult for you to have it before a loss. I kind of wonder, where does that fear come from within us, and why is it such a part of our lives? And I think, I think one reason it exists is because we believe all of the stories that others have said to us about who we are. All of the stories that others have told us about how to live our life. We've always been told, be careful. Don't take chances. You're smart, but there's always someone smarter. You're strong, but you know, you can't really handle anything more. You could never fill in the blank, so it's time to stop trying. Do any of those sound familiar? Have you ever been told any of those? And when we're grieving all the things that I don't think I am, that I think I can't do, that I think will never happen, comes forward with a resounding gong, right? You ever just sit in, your, in a room and just hear the silence? 
but yet seem like there's so much noise in the room because your thoughts are racing so much. Because you're thinking of all the things that could be, but not in an excited way, in a fearful way. So what can you do? How can you navigate this fear in your grief? What can you do to have less anxiety about the unknowns? I was actually talking, um, talking about this with uh, my dear friend yesterday, and she told me that she's been struggling with anxiety and a lot of fear in her life. She hasn't had a particular loss um, that she can point it to, but just some some things have been different for her, and um, some things in, in relationship has changed, and in a sense, there has occurred loss. Um, and so she's finding that she's feeling more anxious and more fearful and finding that her mind is filling in all of the blanks in a fearful way, all of those unknowns in a fearful way. And she told me that the other day she just decided that she can't be like this any longer. It was just becoming too much for her. So actually not the other day. Um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago she's been doing this. So she said now what she does is, and I, and I thought this was really great. She says, I ask myself, what is my fear? And, you know, how often, people, do you do that? How often do we feel it and then ask ourselves, what is this about? We just kind of go on automatic pilot with our fear. So she says, what is my fear? And she identifies it. And I really encourage you to identify it. Write it down. We've got to get stuff out of our head so we can get in control over it. So what is my fear? And she answers that question. Then she asks herself, what if each Uh, one of those fears comes true. And she lays out scenarios. Yes, this could happen. Okay, that could happen. And she lays out positive scenarios as well. And I think that's a key. That's something that we don't often do when we're grieving. We don't often look at what is the positive side of what can come out of this fear that I have. You know, we always look at what is so negative, but oftentimes there can be really great things that can happen. And so she lays it out. What are what if each one of the fears comes true? And she answers that question. And then when she's looking at the negative ones, well, what would be fearful if, if her fears do come true? She says to herself, I'll be okay. And she knows that because, as she said, I'm being my best self no matter what. And I believe in myself. So... I thought, wow, how simple is that? You know, what is my fear? What if each of the fears come true? How will I be? Where will I be? Let me ask you a question. Why do you believe or not believe in yourself? And I think it's likely back to what others have told you about who you are even reflected to you who they think you are by their treatment of you. Have you ever been around someone that makes you kind of feel two inches tall by the way they're treating you? In reverse, have you ever been around someone that makes you feel 10 feet tall because of the way that they're treating you? So you get the idea. We kind of live up to what is reflected to us through our relationships. And I think also 
What have you told yourself through your own experiences? It's amazing to me how we usually only only remember the fears that we had um, that went the way we thought they would, poorly. You know, think of something that you had a fear of and it turned out really great. Write down five times that that happened and I bet you would have a difficult time doing it. If I said write down five fears that turned out poorly, you'd probably do that in two seconds. My friend was um, telling me how she's learning to not believe in the reflection of what others think about her, but believe in the reflection of what she thinks about herself. And by doing that, she really has decreased her anxiety and fears in her life. And, and I like that, not believing in the reflections of others around me, especially if they're telling me I'm less than. We as humans are very fragile. And at times, it's easy to feel broken. And when we're grieving, we can be even more fragile and broken. And that's the beauty in the grief. We can put ourselves together piece by piece into a person who is less fragile, less broken, and less fearful. The beauty of grief. Grief gives us the opportunity to embrace who we truly are, which we are whole, even though we've not been conditioned to embrace that wholeness, we've been conditioned to embrace brokenness and fearfulness, we can embrace our wholeness. So fear and grief is a calling. It's to step out of your reflection from others and step into asking yourself, what do I fear? Name them, write them down, get them out of your head. Then ask, is this fear realistic based upon what I know of myself? not what others have told me. And ask yourself, what if each of my fears actually come true? Well, I'm here to tell you the answer to that. You'll be okay. And you know how I know that? Because your fears have come true your whole life and you are still here facing them. So yes, you will be okay. Fear and grief. Name it, own it, and let it guide you forward through your grief into becoming more of your whole self. I'm Kathy Cooper. This is Lost and Found. We'll be back. When there is a decline in mental or physical health, what do we do when we must find the best options for our loved ones for their aging in place needs? Who can we turn to when the death of someone close to us leaves us with complex decisions about their property? Real Estate 55 Plus provides expert help with living option details and a wide range of resources, including specialized estate and probate sales of properties that most real estate agents are not experienced in handling. Real Estate 55 Plus are here to help you, freeing you up for the most important thing between you and those close to you, your love. Contact Real Estate 55 Plus today at 1-800-964-1553. That's 1-800-964-1553. 
Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. We all value our independence. This is why we want the best care and living situation for our loved ones. Talk to Kelly of Care Partners Living. Discover their unmitigated specialized memory care, Medicaid spend downs that no one else offers, and the best affordable housing that works with you to care for your loved one, preserving their dignity and fullest possible independence. Care Partners Living, valuing independence and care for all. Contact Kelly today at 425-931-2951 or visit carepartnersliving.com. Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world. Their skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Broaden your horizons. You'll be amazed at all the topics we cover on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. I'm Kathy Cooper. This is Lost and Found, um, where every loss matters, and through every loss, something can be found. I hope that this discussion has been helpful, uh, fear and grief, and helping you recognize your fear, recognizing that it is extremely normal. A lot of times we can be paralyzed by our fear, but just know, trust yourself. Just trust yourself, which is one of the hardest things to do when we're hurting, um, but know that you have intuition, listen to your heart, get out of your head, <laughs> right? Is most one of the most difficult things we can do is to stay in our heart and out of our head. And when we're grieving because of all of those unknowns, we stay in our head so much and it can be really scary. So I really encourage you to name it, own it, and let your heart guide you forward through your grief because it will take place. I really appreciate you listening today. Please email me any thoughts or comments about this show. And again, that's lostandfoundseattle at gmail.com. I appreciate Care Partners coming on, being a, a supporter, as well as letting all of us know about what work they do. People, be gentle with yourself, all right? And be gentle with others. And remember, as Lao Chu says, new beginnings are often disguised as painful endings. I'll see you next week. value our independence. This is why we want the best care and living situation for our loved ones. Talk to Kelly of Care Partners Living. Discover their unmitigated specialized memory care, Medicaid spend downs that no one else offers, and the best affordable housing that works with you to care for your loved one, preserving their dignity and fullest possible independence. Care Partners Living, valuing independence and care for all. Contact Kelly today at 425-931-2951 or visit carepartnersliving.com.